I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. It's finally here. GC Action has arrived to the Giro d'Italia stage 16 from Sabio Chiese to Monte Bondone. Low altitude climbs, but a very, very hard stage with over 5,000 meters Denevel, including two Category 1 climbs and two Category 2 climbs. 12K is 8%. Uh, another little climb, the Paso Bordaya descent. More climbing that's not that difficult in the middle part of the stage, so long-range attacks, not really feasible. Descent, and then the Monte Bondone, which is an irregular climb. It has a steep beginning levels off a bit, then fully levels off and is virtually flat, and then has a section from 10 to 5Ks that's very steep, about mm, 4, 5Ks at 9%, yep. over 9% before leveling off again at the end. 50-minute-plus climb, we would, even with the 60K flat start, surely see some big GC action on this stage with the tailwind on the climb. So, yeah, is there, was there any news on the rest day, Benji? Did anyone abandon? I think Ballerini did. I think Von Wilder and Seri started at the, as the only two riders of Quickstep, but outside of that, nothing necessarily. Cavendish is retiring. That's something. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's a piece of news, but maybe we can hop about that a bit later yeah. because I want to talk about the stage, my man. I want to talk about the stage. The fuel in me is like, oh, la, 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 what a stage. Anyway, the stage, when we looked at the parkour, we said it would probably be somewhat like an attrition race where the first two climbs would be made hard so that riders would feel it by the time they reach a final climb so that differences can be made on the final climb. And we might actually have a situation like that occurring. But before we get to that, I think we need to talk about the, the teleportation break. You told me a story about the fact that we suddenly had a break teleporting to the front of the race, which was through a tunnel. Well, first there was a random split. We never really found out who was in G2 and mm-hmm. G1. It was a peloton like exactly in two pieces of 80. And then Armorel was in the second group. It was on the flats. No one really cared. And we saw riders filtering in the break. Ineos riders too. And I was thinking, this is it. They're going to get Aronsman in the move. But it was actually Swift and Puccio. But then they, they went through, they're on Lake Garda. They went through loads of tunnels and there was no coverage. We couldn't really see it. And eventually we found out who was in the break, which was Puccio and Swift for Ineos. Uh, potential satellite riders. But as yeah. I said, that's not really possible on this stage because the climbs before the final climb well, are not that difficult. It depends how you see it. Eh? If they survive till the final climb and still have some type of support, whether it's bringing them food so they don't have to go to a car or whether yeah, it's just, just being some kind of support on the climb itself, like even if it's half a kilometer of pacing in a train, because some people in this break did it. You mentioned Pucho and Swift, but we also had UAE rider Diego Ulisi who might end up being prominent towards the end of the stage, a tiny bit at least, Hepburn in his breakaway together with Zana. So two riders, that's a bit of a, a tug buddy situation, but on a stage where I wasn't necessarily expecting it. Zana in that breakaway, so a solid rider once again, also a potential satellite rider for the likes of Dunbar, 
Verona in there, Derek G, the man himself, once again in the breakaway, Ben Healy once again in the break, Patrick Conrad, another rider from that team, Benedetti. That's one duo that I was like, that's probably not a satellite rider for Kemna. That's probably for the stage. <laughs> but there's few more riders that are important here. Jack Haig, who's on 7.48 in GC, so the closest from the breakaway. No, Parapantra. And Parapantra, who's the closest, closest <laughs> in the breakaway. Aurelien on 4.30. And Valentin, his, uh, his bro, on 24.50, so not that important for GC, but also in the breakaway. So a duo there. And two Astana riders who became prominent as well during the stage, Pronsky and Scaroni, but... That's basically the breakaway. I might have missed the name here and two, except, for example, the four riders, basically more than half the team that's left of Bardiani in the breakaway. Why not? They did awesome stuff. We'll talk about it in a second. (laughs) The break was a mess. It was a mess. mess. No one... Well, Ineos got in, but no Aaronsman. So with Parapantra there, I think, because he's on... Yeah, he's on 4.30, but to Thomas, he's on like 2.50 or something. Yeah. So they're not going to pull with him in the move or Haig, who's on, say, six to Thomas. And then Haig had Milan in there who was just going for the IS and didn't do any pulling. Hepburn was in there for Zana, I thought, for the stage win, but he did pull a little bit. But the first climb kind of showed how much of a mess this was because um, your man from Korotek, I will get his name Stoinich? right. Stoinich, yeah. He paced the whole of the first steepest climb of the day, really hard climb, <laughs> as I said, 8.5% for 12Ks. And Afini paced the peloton. So Yumbo have to do something. So Ineos are forcing Yumbo to finally do something. But it's Afini doing it at his pace. like, And then Stjornich doing it at his pace. Mm-hmm. Cavs still in the group on this really steep climb. So... The break didn't get more than three minutes. In fact, it was down to 2.50 after FDJ started pacing with Stuart Benji. Why? We'll never know, but well, they did. It, it doesn't really make sense here because on paper, I mean, I definitely lose his jer- jersey today. Even if he tries his hardest, he's going to lose his jersey. And then you're thinking they're throwing away an opportunity of going in the breakaway. And with Pino being that close in GC, you're thinking he's probably too close to get in the breakaway. But then again, we see the likes of Parepant on 430. Still a difference because I think Pino's on 3-330 going into the stage. So I don't know. I find it sucks for Groupama that they're so close in GC with Pino because it takes away potential stage wins by not going in the breakaway. But then again, will the break make it or not? We'll see eventually. But important to note, we get over the first two climbs and Healy basically takes a, a boatload of points. He takes um, enough to become 40. the new leader of the KOM jersey classification. But on the second climb, you got to talk about your Bargiani boys. Come on. Well, yeah, they rolled Healy, <laughs> Vingegaard, and Roglic and Pogaccia style. It was beautiful when they took the points away from him. Gaburo took those points. Love to see it. Back in the GC group, it was still FTJ and... Yumbo controlling. Eventually, yep. we get into the valley. No one's pacing. The descent, Benedetti, I think he's originally from the area, even though he's now Polish national. He sort of just wanders off the descent. I'm thinking, someone in the break's going to have to... Oh, Milan wins the intermediate sprint ahead of Gene Scones, and then he drops back to the peloton <laughs> instead of pulling the group. Um, I was like, someone's got to start pulling here. Hepburn did a little bit. Benedetti did a little bit. But... It was kind of going nowhere at all until Astana did the Fuga della Fuga, Benji. Pronsky and Scaroni. 
It was beautiful. Yeah. Double attack, Trofeo Baraki in the breakaway. They have Pronsky and Scaroni a minute and a half, two minutes ahead of the second part of that breakaway at a certain point. And I'm like, damn, I don't expect this to go till the end because I was expecting the Peloton to, to speed up a bit, but the gap to the Peloton was also exceeding towards 5.30, something like that. But we get a bit of a switch in the Peloton where I think Affini paced most of the, the first two climbs for Yambo. Obviously, Grupama was also pacing, but next to Grupama, Affini was the main catalyst of the tempo there for Yambo. And I think towards the, the third climb, that Matasone climb, that more smaller climb, but still a, a I don't know, a rolly climb, I would say. It's like a staircase, a tiny bit. That climb, it's still Affini pacing in Grupama. You have that Astana attack. We get to the next climb, the Serrada climb. And that's where Affini's pace, I don't know, I did not expect Affini to ride as hard as he could there. Yeah, and he rode, he sort of, I mean, I'm not sure how quickly the gap was coming down, mm -hmm. because there's also a phenomenon now this deep into the race. There's like, in the peloton, 20 to 25 riders that care yeah. at this point. Because we're so deep into the stage. If you drop now, you don't have an OTL problem because you can just ride it in. And if you're not a GC domestique, like a, I don't know, Butrago, say for Caruso, why keep going? But yeah, so there is that phenomenon. But there was also an incredible bit of work done by Valentin Paripantra, who I think is in his first Grand Tour. He's 22 years old. He's quite a bit younger than Aurelian and he's more slight than his brother and he did a magnificent job in this phase of the race uh pulling and then pulling the uh Serrata climb which was up and down and irregular as well fending off Yumbo Visma chasing hard behind so we all thought at this point Yumbo's stated their intentions put their cards on the table because okay you could say oh they're pulling to make sure Parry Pantry doesn't gain more than two minutes, but it seemed to be a bit more aggressive than that at this point. Yeah. You, you could probably just let them start with five minutes on the climb if, you, if that's all you cared about. This looked like going for the stage win territory to me. And? and sorry, go on. Is it also because they want to try and put as many kilojoules in their competitors before the Monte Bondone climb, put as much energy spendage into competitors as well? Yeah, if they think they can get a gap. And also, I guess... There was the reality that if they didn't pace in this phase, the breakaway would get too much time because, yeah, yeah it's a 20K climb, but Haig, Zana in particular, um, Aurelian Parapantra himself, who's already won a stage, can they're not just going to give up six minutes on a climb. or f They're not like a random breakaway person. They're people who have fallen out of GC or who are still close on GC in the case of APP. So the descent as well, Yumbo gained no time because Valentin is a demon descender. It, like Verona was having trouble holding the wheel. Ulysses, someone I've also noticed throughout the Giro, very, very uncomfortable in the group on descents, actually. Puccio's dropped back to the group. And we get to the valley before Bondone. Not sure if we missed too much, to be honest. Nah. And yeah, it's just been Affini. And then now Hessman. Sorry, Omen paced the end of Serrata. Yep. Hessman paces the valley and he really starts to reduce this crap gap because it's he's a rouleau, a more versatile guy. And um Valentin's 62 kilos and tired. So the gap is losing is you know losing a lot of time. It's like 330 at the base of Bondone. 
I thought that was actually, I thought this was 50-50 at the base, Benji. I really did. Mm-hmm. I thought 330 region with the quality of the climbers in that group was actually a pretty good gap, even though it is a 50-minute climb. I thought so as well. And the reason that I thought so was because Jumbo Visma was pacing and I thought they would take up the entire climb with their team, as in they would try and prepare an attack for Roglic and then send off Roglic into the distance or at least try to do something with Roglic. But that's not necessarily the scenario that was created. We saw Jumbo Visma pace in the same way that we mentioned. You had Ormen on Serada, you had Hesmon already in the valley, Hesmon for the first part of the Monte Bondone climb. You're going to have to help me for a second here, but I feel like Dennis then took over first and then Bauman kind of took over for a tiny bit and then Dennis came back or something. It was... the order was supposed to be um, Hessman, Dennis, Bowman, yeah. Kuss, Roglic. But Dennis was too strong and yeah. just dropped Bowman. That's what I thought. We'll see that happen another time on this climb with a different but, but team. But to your point, you just, said, you just said something. Yumbo would pace to launch Roglic to attack. Wouldn't they also on a climb like this with 4% in the last kilometer want to pace as you also sort of said, the whole climb, yep. control it, and set up a sprint? Yep, exactly. Because if you, if you reduce your men so early, then you're opening yourself up to attacks because other teams are going to feel like, oh, this rider is isolated, so let us space and do something. But that being said, that might happen either way because Dennis is also not the rider that if a certain team starts spacing hard, is 100% going to stick on. But Dennis was taking a long portion of this climb on his own accord, and we're getting towards, let's say, the, the last 11 kilometers, I think. We're getting over the part that is in the middle of this climb that goes into a slight dip, and then we start climbing again. And that's when we see a different team move up, when Dennis is already, um, well, basically done. Dennis is done for. Damage done in the group, quite a bit. We're now down to, let's say, 24 riders is my guess. That's a rough number I just estimated from the top of my head. And we see UAE step up, and important to note, Swift is still ahead, I think, for Ineos. Zana is still ahead for Dunbar. We've got Ulysses still ahead for UAE. And yeah. we see Formolo starting to pace, still in the valley part, in the middle of the climb. The valley part is like one kilometer, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Before we start the steep section. And it's Formolo with Vine in the wheel, with Almeida, and then McNulty behind Almeida. And I want to talk about McNulty in a second well, here, but what did you expect was going to happen there? Well, I thought it was strange that like Dennis pulled the steep bit mm-hmm. and then there was no follow-up from Yumbo. Yep. Kuz just stayed with Roglic. Yep. What, so what is Kuz going to do in that, in that not so steep bit in the middle? It's like, well, in theory, if then, cause Dennis paced mm-hmm. really hard. Like mm-hmm. I think the gap, the chunks Dennis took out of the breakaway who were working, by the way, Haig attacked APP was on a limit. Like the break G1 was pushing hard with Zana and Hagen Co and Conrad, they weren't just messing about. And yeah. it's not like, oh, they got caught in the last two Ks. They were getting caught with like nine Ks to go after a, a, having a three-minute-plus advantage. Dennis paced so hard and then um, parkeggioed. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, I don't know. I don't really know what the point was. What um, were they cooking is your question when you see that. Well, yeah. Um, okay. Was it uh, to bait UAE into pacing? Because they certainly <laughs> took the opportunity <laughs> with, with two hands. They were like, thanks for pacing the first 10Ks really, really hard. Um, 
it's our time now. But I do feel like UAE didn't base it in a perfect fashion either. It's like every team was kind of unsure of where their riders would fit in the train, which... Oh, I thought they did it perfectly. I think one rider, one rider didn't base at all. Oh, McNulty should have been before Vine. Yep. Yeah. That's what I think so. Because we see their train as the following. We see the start of Formula, goes into the steep section at the bottom. We see Vine take over. And Vine takes over in a way where he kind of like... This is the 6% go... section. Yeah, you can say it. Well, like, sorry, it, 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 Formula literally did the flat bit yeah. and downhill, and then it was a 6% section, and it's like, you're right, Vine took over here where he was, like, killing time a little bit, keeping the pace high, but he wasn't fully shredding at this point. Carthy, we see yo-yoing. Armirel's dropped, come back a little bit. Um, Pino is at the back, not looking too good. Rubio's hanging in tough. But it was th then Benji McNulty drops. So yep. yeah, you're right. Shouldn't McNulty have done the 6% K? I mean, this is micromanaging, but you would think. You would think so as well. Obviously, we don't know what the team expected it to happen. I would expect from like on paper, Vine to be a stronger one than McNulty. But we've seen McNulty do a wonderful pull in the tour last year. So occasionally- and Vine's not been good. That's different. I agree. Vine's had weaker moments in the Giro as well. And next to that, we don't know what the inner conditions are when it comes to sickness in teams. And maybe certain teams are feeling the fatigue and the sickness more than other riders. And maybe because of that, different decisions are made in the team. So advocate of the devil, I understand that certain teams might have different views on how their riders are being used with more data. But without the data, I was like, oh, McNulty should have been used before Vine. Also because we know Almeida only has two modes until a bit later in the race. <laughs> his two modes are either he drops and then crawls back in the last kilometer of a mountain that's not going to happen today his second mode is once the team is done pacing he starts pacing at the front and that's exactly what happens but we got to track back well, for a but second here's the tale too here's how you know Almeida is on fire Yeah. when Dennis was pacing really hard and the group was about 10 yeah. and it's a steep section with still two-thirds of the climb left, on Blockhouse, he starts dropping. At yep. that exact moment, he starts dropping. Today, he's doing it easy in the pocket between Vine and McNulty. So to me, that was like a big tell that he must be on fire. Exactly. And during that Vine pool that you were referring to, the gap, well, the group reduces to like, what is it? Six, seven people? Yeah. We're down to the following riders. Let's talk about them for a second here. We've got Geraint Thomas. His both domestiques are being dropped together with Van Wilder. So Adamsman is being dropped. The likes of um, the Plus is getting Please. dropped. Kuzin Roglic are still there. All the other Jumbo domestiques are gone, which is understandable because they've been pacing most of the day. For the rest, we have Joao Almeida, obviously, with Vine. McNulty is gone without pacing. Notable. Zana is back from the breakaway for Dunbar. And we also see that Ulysses is dropping back. And does this a bit of a pull, was 500 meters or something, but it matters. And after yeah. that, Vine takes back over, and the way he does it is like, it seemed like a 30-second hard pull, is that yeah, a good leader. way to say it? But then, if you do that, and Almeida just takes over for a bit, that's not, I don't feel like, even for Almeida, that's, that's his attack, eh? Like, pacing at the front of it? Even for Almeida, I don't see that's a very effective way of trying to hurt the riders in your wheel. I guess... I think he told Vine to do that, mm -hmm. and Vine basically just completely, and I've not really seen Vine ride like that before, 
mm-hmm. or Almeida ride like I've actually never seen Almeida ride like this before. Like this is the first time I can recall. Maybe I'm missing something where he's told his team, told the guys, mate, get on the front mate, and shred it. It's the first time he's had a team. <laughs> yeah. And and so I think he basically then wanted to create a situation because you gotta remember, okay, you're like, this is so far from the finish. Yeah. But from five Ks afterwards, it's not that steep. So if you want to attack the phase to attack, assuming Vine does say a steep K, it's like a 3K, 4K phase to attack. Mm-hmm. So I think he wanted to yeah. do it and have everyone isolated in that phase. And yeah, he attacks initially. Oh. Uh, Vine even had Roglic on a gap, I think, through the hairpin. I, there was a gap there. He took him by surprise. And then I was like, I'm not... And then Rolich was doing the Planche de Belfie cadence yeah. from 2020. I immediately he's doing the Planche de Belfie cadence. I don't think I didn't think he looked good. At that phase, I was still in denial, and I noticed that Roglic wasn't feeling well the moment that Almeida's spacing stops. And for a second, we don't see Gus moving to the front and starting to pace. Should because he have done usually, that though? usually even, he does even if that. He's feeling bad. He, maybe he should have attacked the group. Is what I feel like. No, if I reckon Roglic he'd is good, go he would have done that. Puff your chest out, false tempo. That's what I would have done. Ah, uh, I don't know. Because Roglic like it... wasn't like losing minutes here. He's still yeah. Like, so the, the difference is a very small amount of watts. Um, but just create a semblance of control with Coos pacing. Yeah, because but... that's what Dunbar tried to do with Zana. Zana, yeah. this was the funniest moment of the climb. Zana comes back from the breakaway. Dunbar's just responded to a huge Almeida attack after Vine lead out. Zana starts sprinting to the front, looks at Dunbar, and Dunbar's like, no, don't do that, please. And then Zana starts pacing really hard. Um, I mean, he's in great shape. Dunbar's in, Dunbar was disappointed at the end of this climb. I'll get to him at the end. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. Um, But yeah, I was surprised at the lack of, because you look up the Wes with Vingegaard last year, Benji. Yeah. Goose just rides it in with five guys. Yeah. Um, I, when I said started to pace, I meant the control pace at the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Gus doesn't just sit back if Roglic is in the group, usually in these five-man groups. No. Or six-man groups. And that's why I was like, oh, Roglic is definitely not feeling like attacking at this moment. That's kind of the, the thought I have here. But... Then you have that Zana move, then you have that, and I feel like then again the tempo stocks a bit. And Almeida's like, well, if you guys aren't going to do fuck all, I'm going to do something. So he decides that the Almeida hype train is real. He decides that nobody that said that Almeida is going to win the fucking Giro is a flat earther. We're all going to see Almeida when the Giro <laughs> is in his head. And what he does is he attacks. He does an uh, actual attack. With separation. <laughs> and there's no one responding initially. Well, Roglic looked to Thomas, and I thought, even I was, was 50%, you don't know for sure that Roglic is not, doesn't have it at this point, but I was like, even if you feel good, this, I was like, that's a big risk, because Almeida is equally as dangerous as Thomas, and what ends up happening is he puts Koos on the front to pace, but it probably would have been better for Koos to pace anyway, before yeah. then, because now Koos is pacing, and it does look for a bit like what's Almeida doing. He's dangling out five seconds, maybe less, in front of Koos. Koos holding the gap completely stable. Thomas and Roglic in the wheel getting the draft. I know it's 9%, so it's still, if you're going to do it, 
this is the place to do it. It's still really steep. And then Thomas just, well, Dunbar starts to yo-yo a little bit and yeah. Dunbar's dropped off coup spacing. And then Thomas tries Roglic, right? I can't remember. Yes, but it's kind of in a way where Dunbar had that wiggle in like a hairpin. And I yeah. felt like Roglic had to close a gap there. And maybe Thomas saw that. I think Thomas must have noticed something or must have noticed... I thought it was weird what was going on. Exactly. A, no, a weird pattern because what was going on was weird. Like, we've seen enough races right now to realize that Roglic riding at that point was, was a pretty weird pattern going on. Yeah. And Thomas probably knows that as well. And he, he tries him, but it feels like it's interesting because he's attacking from in between Kuss and Roglic. And he's doing that on the right side of the road, the left for the viewers. And he goes past Kuss. And Roglic cannot only not respond to Thomas, but he's also on a gap from Kuss, who's keeping up the yeah. tempo towards Almeida. Kuss so is now, stronger than Roglic today. 100%. Kuss could have potentially won the stage. Maybe, maybe not, because it was a shallow finish, but... Yeah, that's the reason that he probably couldn't have, but... But he was very, very strong, and yeah, Roglic can't get out of the saddle, and you immediately know bad news bears for him. Thomas yep. gets across to Almeida. It then levels off shortly after this section, and you now have a phase where it's two against one. Coos is pacing on, I don't know what the gradients are, 6%, and then it levels down to 4% against Thomas and Almeida. Thomas was visibly going very fast on the medium gradient sections. Coos was also doing a great job, but the gap quickly goes from, say, 0 to 15 seconds. Yeah. And then it gradually gains a second every, you know, just keeps creeping up. They just couldn't. Coos and Rolich hold the pace of Thomas and Almeida. Thomas was doing most of the work at this phase. I don't know the exact split, maybe 75-25, 80-20. Probably. Probably. I'd say 75-25 because I felt like at certain points I was still like, Almeida, just let Thomas cook. Let Thomas cook. He's the one well, that he's ahead on GC. Exactly. And he also wants the gap towards Rolich. And maybe Thomas still thinks that Almeida is a bit overrated or he probably doesn't thomas probably also rates. done more watts per kilo up to this point too exactly he's attacked multiple times with guys in the wheel he then attacked again and was dangling so i think he was a little bit fucked when thomas first bridged to him i wonder if thomas could afflict him if he could he probably would have i don't know i don't know because thomas is also calculated in his writing where he will not overextend too much yeah. i would say we don't see thomas completely imploding too often in cycling it's been Quite a few Grand Tours ago since I've seen something like that. But I never really seen him crack. I think one time I saw him crack, but was it in... I don't know which race it is, and I'll, I'll research it, I'll find it, and I'll tell you. But that being said, we're in this situation, Almeida and Thomas are in the front, and Almeida's starting to take over more and more towards the, the three-kilometer mark, the two-kilometer mark Thomas from the forces finish line. Him to. He literally yeah. stops pedaling and says, I will not pedal. Smart. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kuz is waiting every now and then on Roglic behind. Yeah. Dunbar is now in the wheel of Roglic again, so they've got a three-man squad going on there, and we get closer and closer to the last kilometer. And with a kilometer to go, I was getting scared. I was thinking, Almeida, you need the bloody stage win. You need the bloody stage win. And then Thomas flicks him to get Almeida to the front with 800, 900 meters to go, and I was like, Almeida, you fucked it, man. You fucked it. You went to the front because, Alme because Thomas went to zero speed on the climb to make it happen. But then they switched around again with 400 meters to go, and you can yeah. lead in the final. 
Well, we see Hugh Carthy coming back from nowhere in the background. <laughs> Ineos, Domestiques, Duplus and Aronsman, they're coming back on the wheel of Van Wilder. Caruso's coming back. It's all over. No. Ineos going to have three guys in top five in this race. <laughs> and suddenly Almeida is in the perfect position. Thomas does his big, big gear, wind it up, lead out without that big peak sprint. And he was also trying to gain time on Roglic. And we're also thinking Roglic could, they probably worried is Roglic going to do a teleportation, you know, and take back half our time gain yeah. if we, we can't mess around too much. Almeida comes he tried. gets in the drops. He tried, but he couldn't. Almeida gets into the drops and beats Thomas easily in the sprint to win his biggest race of his career to date, his first Grand Tour stage. He got unlucky in the Giro 21 on Segata Ali or Alpa de Mira. Yeah. Beats Thomas, same time, those two, 25 seconds ahead of Roglic who also, also takes four bonus seconds. Dunbar fourth, same time. Um, they dropped Koos. Koos was cooked doing the lead-out on 103 fifth. Van Wilder, very, very nice performance. Sixth on 116 with a group of Caruso, Rubio, Duplus, Aronsman. Uh, San- Santi was pacing Caruso for a fair bit. Lechnerson also was in that group for quite a while. Carthy was dropped by that group at the end in the sprint. And so was Kemner on 120, Carthy 126. Pino loses 327, which I would say is not a good amount of time because he's still too close to go in a break, I think, because now we're going to get into a phase of guys trying to, like, Kemner defending top top sixes, top sevenths. So he should have probably sat up. Amiral loses pink. He finished on 4.24, but he's still in the top 10 now. Thomas goes into the Malia Rosa on 18 seconds to Almeida, who takes four seconds back on him from the sprint. Roglic uh, stays in third, actually, but Almeida leapfrogs him. He's on 29 seconds to Thomas, 11 seconds to Almeida. Caruso in fourth from sixth on 2.50. Dunbar, the biggest gainer of the day from eighth to fifth on 3.03. 17 seconds ahead of Kamner in 6th. Amiral 7th and 8th. Him and Lechnerson dropped down a fair bit today. I would expect that trend to continue this week. Aronsman and Duplus on 4.09 and 4.32. Looking pretty good for a 6th to 8th region. And Carthy and Rubio, I think, are knocking on the door too uh, for that top Dece placement. But what a stage, Benji. This was, this was really, really good, the mount yeah. finish, because it wasn't just a groove sprint. We had tension, we had hard pacing, we had attacks, we had is he good, is he bad, is he bluffing, is he is he just doesn't have it? And we had a new Giro, we had a new Grand Tour stage winner and a bit of a, a step up from Almeida too. Yep, exactly. Joao Almeida really stepped up on this one. Also kind of expected it in the way that it was building up this Giro. Yeah. I did not necessarily expect Roglic to, to fall through the ice though, because on one end you're kind of not hoping that that's going to be the case to certain riders. But I will say, I'm also very much impressed of both Eddie Dunbar, who's really in that top five position right now when it comes to GC. I kind of underrated Kemna going into this based on the, the hilly stages we've had where he wasn't as strong as the, the other riders that are fighting for the top seven. And then Thomas, most of all, because Thomas is well up there still, eh? He lost 10 seconds, well, four bonus seconds, I think, to... Well, Almeida yeah. for the stage win, but all in all, he extends his lead on Roglic by quite a bit. Now, 29 seconds, like you mentioned, and knowing that this 
is still not a decided Giro. Like Almeida looks really bloody strong. And he yeah. was the strongest rider in the race today. Because you got to keep in mind, Almeida's been like riding 10 seconds, ahead, well, three seconds ahead of Kuss for like a kilometer, maybe that a kilometer well. and a half. Probably a kilometer, I would say. By the time that Thomas makes his move there to try and bridge towards Almeida. So Almeida went really early. I will say, however, I while mean, Almeida won the on, stage on and is a winner. Though. Sorry, one second, one second. While Almeida did win the stage, I feel like tactically that attack could have been better. If G was just a bit worse mm -hmm. and works with Koos and Roglic, what's the gap? Because I really feel like the dynamics wow. of Almeida created a springboard yeah. a little bit ahead of Koos and Roglic on a steep section G gets across at the end of the steep section and then G on 6-7%, where I think G on 5-7% is as strong or stronger than Almeida. 9-10%, different story. I think Almeida has a slight edge. But this climb was a climb of many varying kilometers. It was an undulating yeah. climb. And I think that dynamic of those two, he gets across at the perfect time and gets rid of Roglic and then just goes straight over Almeida, starts pulling. And then they worked together a little bit, and G worked more. I don't know. It was for Roglic. It's it's like he didn't know this would happen because there's no mm -hmm. way. Because let's say he's affect he's been affected by the crash, right? Yeah. Well, that explains stage fifteen. Yeah. That explains stage fourteen, where they didn't pace. And so, if that was still the case. They wouldn't have chased the break with Afini. They wouldn't have paced with a nuclear pace with yep. Hessman and Dennis. So he must have felt good, or he must have thought, I got to gain time at some point. I don't know. I, I don't think so, because I don't, if you, you would have paced slower and then you just do a nuclear last 500 meter sprint and yep. the overall climbs watts per kilo is a lot lower. Um, if that's the case. So I, I'm not entirely sure. Jira's not over. But yeah, Almeida, big step up for him also psychologically. Yeah. Telling the team, shred it for me. He then delivers for that team with time gain and a stage win. That is going to be a huge morale boost for that team. Yep. They've already got three stages in this Giro from three different riders. Vine's coming good. Ulysses look fucking good. Formula is going really well. Mingalti could be good on medium mountain or whatever. And yeah, like I, I, it wasn't a joke on the rest day, but yeah, I think Almeida is the man, is obviously the man to beat in the Giro. And that's because the final TT is, if it's a flat final TT, G wins Giro, but it's not. Um, it's a weird, it's a mountain TT and their team looks very, very strong. Their team looks very strong, and it's kind of the thing where they're not a complete team, while Jumbo Visma is a complete team, but the rider quality of Vine plus McNulty, I think it's easier to use those riders than it is to use Cus because when it comes to Cus, you have to use him on the steep portions. He can't really help on like the 3-2% the yeah. of a climb, while a McNulty and a Vine can still do that stuff on a 2-3%, yeah. especially McNulty, I think, or Vine as well, to oh, be honest. the same way, like... 67, 69 kilos. They, they can basically do 450 watts for days. Yep, exactly. That's true. 
And we see now Almeida paying off as well. So hopefully the trust of the team now goes completely into Almeida because I do truly believe that they've got the majority chance now to win the Giro d'Italia with Joao Almeida. While I have Thomas sitting there in the Malia Rosa on that chair, Almeida has the team that can make those attacks happen, while the Plus and Arensman, they're going to be playing defensively around Thomas, right? It's not like Thomas is going to switch runners, is going to say, let us try and pace the start of Trichima di Lavaredo, and then I will try and attack, maybe to get gaps on Roglic, but he will get countered by Almeida if he does that. I mean, it's, it's tough to know because Almeida also didn't drop Thomas today and he bridged that gap in two seconds. Yeah. I would say I agree that I look at Valdezolo and the end of Koi and it's three kilometers at 11% and it doesn't scream out to me, G dropping Almeida, or, or it doesn't scream out to me in your setting a furious pace to drop everybody. Chimi, who knows, that'll be a war. I mean, it's also, they'll be, they'll be doing the calculations tonight. How much time does G need in this final TT on Almeida? As much as, it, no way they can be comfortable with favor? this. In the final TT, Almeida. On the flat portion of it, Thomas, on the climb, Almeida. Yeah, so you're kind of in the, is... is it a cider? <laughs> yeah. And it's so steep that, oh, I don't know, because like, have we seen Almeida in a situation where he's there for the, for the final victory, all stress on the shoulders. Yeah. And Thomas, all stress on the shoulders for the victory. We've seen Thomas in, in the Tour de France 2018, the one he won. Yeah. That final time trial of him was not great, but then again, he, he was in rainy conditions and he probably yeah. took it quite safe and was pretty safe going into it. But I don't know. I don't know. I, w I think both of them won the bigger gap. Well, both of them won an advantage on the other before we get to Montelusari. For sure, exactly. And now Roglic is behind, 30 seconds to Thomas. He can't just be like, oh, I'll take it back in the TT. But, but then, I mean, is he, is he finished or what? Can he benefit from Almeida and Thomas now starting to look thinking. at each other a bit? Because like... Those two can't just happily for the next two mountain no. stages ride with each other to keep Roglic behind. No. They have to try and attack each other and I feel like the likelihood is more that Almeida will try and drop Thomas than Thomas will try and drop Almeida. It might happen that Thomas drops Almeida after Almeida has already attacked and gets countered. But I feel like it's more likely that we see a situation where Almeida truly tries to drop the other guy, but like, where do we see? Let's let's look at the stage for a second. We we have tomorrow a bloody sprint stage. We'll talk about it later. Doesn't matter at the moment. Wins. There's my preview. Okay, St stage eighteen, Valdisoldo, which is that coy, very steep thing. And the next day, Trechima de Levaredo, a very hard stage, but also with the steep portion. And I'm like, I feel like that kind of fits Almeida more right now. Trechima, mm. uh -huh. at least. The Trecimi, yeah, but the Paso Tre Croci, pretty regular. Yeah. Paso Xiao. Yeah, I mean Yeah, but it, if I if I was if I was them, I'd probably just get Vine to pace Paso Xiao full beans. Because nobody's gonna attack early on the stage either, eh? It's gonna happen yeah, on Trechimi, eh? Because that is so hard, that's our last section that it's all gonna well, be no, between GC right If you're behind, there? you might have to attack early on. Paso Xiao is nine point eight kilometers, nine point three percent. True. 
to 2,200 meters. But will Almeida attack really before hard. the descent? Well, no, he, he won't need to. Yeah. And I think Almeida and UAE will probably pace on Trey Croce. No, yeah. not on Trey Croce. Um, Koi. Okay. But G, if he's behind from Koi, or he wants to gain time, or now Roglic, who has to gain time, they might have to go early on Paso Jao. Dennis looked good today. Maybe he paces that. I don't know. And can we expect Roglic to get better? We've got essentially a rest day tomorrow. They should be doing 100 watts in the wheels all day. It's literally downhill sprint, not a single. There's like 100 meters elevation, crazy stage. It's practically a rest day, although there's no rest days. Can we expect Roglic to somehow bounce back? I haven't seen the watts calcs yet. Um, so I, I don't know. know. Because if he got dropped, I mean, the, I think the pace has to have been good. I haven't seen the numbers yet, but yeah. they went from the bottom of the climb, full beans, no suplexing. It has to have been a shit hot climb. And, um, and, and that brings me to Dunbar, Benji, who <laughs> he said afterwards, uh, I'm disappointed I wasn't with the best, but I mean, I need to give him a culpa. No matter, even if he cracks or whatever later in the Giro, you know, uh, last year, and Jacob signed that Giro leader, I was like, a little bit ambitious. And I guess I was under the impression that, mistakenly, Ineos weren't taking him to Grand Tours for a reason. I sort of put a bit maybe too much faith in their system and team and thinking they must know something. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they have taken him? Um, but he's very clearly said and shown in this Giro that He's a GC contender to be taken seriously. Shoulders above Caruso, um, Carthy, and those guys to date, or Kamna. So, I mean, I hope he's happy after today's stage. He jumps into the top top five, I think. And, yeah, he's looking good. He's looking really good. <laughs> top five is really on the menu, and I think it's going to be limited to a top five. Top three I don't see happening anymore, but that's higher than the top ten I projected for Dunbar. I was expecting... Yeah. 8th, ninth, and before the Giro start, I was expecting that to happen because of going in the breakaway in the last week or something, that type of situation. But obviously we had quite a bit of dropouts, which means that that makes top 10 easier. But that being said, I was, still wasn't expecting him to come potentially 5th in this Giro, which he's on track for right now. So I hope he can succeed this because he's really showing that he's worth that. But we've spoken a lot. You've said calf for tomorrow. Have you looked at whether there's a corner in the last stretch? Is Gavriel still in this race? Cav. It's Cav, you say? Cav. Okay. He tried to get in the break today. He nearly won the stage. Okay. I'm going to go with... <laughs> I should go with... Cav oh, is a good name, though, for this. <laughs> yeah. Who, which sprinters are still here? I don't even know at this. Milan's here, but ain't going to fucking win. Why won't Milan win? Because Cav is going to beat him. True. Aha. Pascal leading out Milan. Almeida out of nowhere. No. No. Anyway, we had a great stage. Almeida's going to win the Giro. Both Alume, this is the end. No, I'm not finished <laughs> ranting yet. I think... <laughs> no, but uh, other GC... I think... Yeah, Pino should... Pino has to sit up tomorrow. This is my advice to you, Thibaut. Lose five minutes tomorrow. Go for KOM if it's not too late. 
might be, but Healy didn't look so good on the big it climb today. It is too today. late. Is it? I think it's too late. The, the final climb will be, like Valdi's older and so forth, will probably be GC rider, I would expect. No, but the first climb, Paso della Crosetta on stage 18 is count one, 40 points. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. You're very much right. Oh, oh no, sorry, that's but on But then it's stage. not enough still, eh? Yeah, but then the break will take Paso Valparola. It's yeah, a cat one. Will Healy on... just give it away? No, but I wasn't that impressed by Healy. He dropped really early today on Bondone. Did I he do it on Pino... purpose, knowing that the stage wouldn't win? I don't know. The point is, he Pino will at best come 10th. That's not looking great at the moment in GC. If he wants to go for a stage or KOM, I don't mind which. He needs to lose some more time tomorrow because people will not be keen to let him yeah. in a break. And then he can go for that on uh, 18 and 19. I also think, I just realized, I think Dunbar should do a pretty good TT on stage 20. Yeah. He's extremely light. Pinotti knows what he's doing. Um, and when it is so steep, that really is when being 57, 58 kilos, it just makes such a big difference. Um, so he's well positioned for that final TT. But you got Almeida. You're feeling it took a big step forward today? But a Giro. Yeah, what's his plan? He just, what, incrementally takes more time on G and builds up a buffer. He has to drop G on 18-19, right? He needs to try and drop G 100%. And you're yeah. doing that by making the race hard with UAE. Obviously, you won't have Yumbo helping you, most likely, unless they set up an attack early for Roglic. Well, at some point, at some point, they will try that, eh? That's what I would expect. Well, Roglic won't care about third. Exactly. So he's going he's gonna to wing it to try and win it. So you, you first need to be ready for that to happen. But next to that, you've got to have a plan to have as many rides as possible, whether it's satellite riders up the road and your team is rounding you with Vine and McNulty and so forth to try and build up the tempo on Forcella Chibiana on stage uh, 70, 18, my bad, Valdisoldo stage. And then on Koi itself, you kind of already... It's quite the kind of stage where you already go on the second last climb because the second last climb is basically the big climb, the 5.5, 9.5%, kilometer Yeah, 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 climb. you go there. I think so as well. And you hope that on that stage, you kind of hope that Thomas satellite is with rider. you. Or Ulyssi, satellite rider. You at least got to be in the break or someone like that or McNulty to pull that 6.5%, 7% climb. Or, That's when McNulty can shred. Or you try and have Thomas with you on this one, gain even more time on Roglic, and you try and kill Thomas on Trecime stage. Yeah. Ineos, maybe G also was holding something back. I don't know, but they'll probably want to gain time too. That's why it's in a really interesting stalemate. Um, hopefully Roglic picks up his shape and can compete with the other two and make it a three-headed battle and he's attacking out of nowhere. That would be great. Um, GC Coos took a bit of a hit today. Moral victory, I would say. Um, but we all know GC Coos would have won this Giro. Yeah. He was freed. Very shortly, we've spoken about Almeida a lot. We've spoken about Roglic a lot. We spoke about Thomas quite a bit. But I do feel like when it comes to a strategy for Thomas to win this race, it's kind of like... I would, I would go on um, Trey Chimi. I think you can try. You kind of need to be the survivor if you're Thomas to try and win this, right? And be as close as possible, even ahead or just behind someone going into the time trial and hoping that you have the best time trial of your life. I would do what you said earlier, which is let Almeida do some stuff, attack, 
and then counter Gun him try. late, try to take 15 seconds, 20 seconds, something, um, within the last kilometer or last surge, and then hope that 50, minute, 50 seconds or a minute's enough in the TT. I don't know. But Aronson and Duplus are looking good. They're looking really good. Top 10 on GC, both of them. So maybe they can, I don't know, do something. But Numerical advantage. <laughs> didn't need it. Yeah. Try to just drop Roglic straight up without pacing any, any of the teams. So, yeah, good on them. Anyway, that was stage 16. We got the GC action that we wanted. Stage 17 is that we get a rest day straight afterwards in a sprint. But then we'll be back for stage 18. Of course, it should be crazy action. No, we're not having a rest day. We will pod tomorrow to make that clear. Um, but just don't expect any big GC action. Anyway, let us know who's winning the Giro down below. Top comment wins, and we'll see you with stage 17 tomorrow. Ciao.